Hello and welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. My name is Lisa Bird Burgess and today I'm delighted to welcome Sophie Spence. Hello Spence, glad to get you along. Storm Dennis causes a few issues at the start there. How are you doing? <laughs> Good, thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, and so- Sophie, it's a real pleasure. So- Sophie's a, some of you, I'm sure most of you all know, is a former Irish rugby union player, just capped 40 times for a country, um, began a rugby, playing university rugby and then actually played in the Tyrrells um, Championships with... Um, Moden Park Sharks. Um, Sophie played both 15s, um, competing in two um, World Cups, reaching the semi-finals of the 2014 World Cup in France. And also, um, with a great skill set that she had, real dynamic ball carrying forward around the park, she also played in the Sevens World Cup, which was in Russia. Um, and capping it all was when you played for the Barbarians as well. Sophie, you've had a phenomenal, phenomenal playing career, um, which, which as well saw you being nominated for the World Rugby Player of the Year as well. Um, and, you know, how are you doing, first of all? And what, what made you move into coaching? Yeah, I'm all good. It's it's kind of funny listening to that because it seems so long ago since I've finished up. Um, and when I'm coaching at the minute, like trying to go about scrums with the lads and trying to get a tight head forward and make a tight head prop and me coming behind to show body position in a scrum, I feel it the next day. Um, so I'm not as conditioned. But um, yeah, like coaching for me, I, I suppose um, when I come out of university, I was teaching. Um, I was teaching sports science. And when I moved over to Dublin, it was just natural for us to kind of go into coaching. Um, I'd done quite a lot of netball and things um, and multi-sports. And because I was heavily involved in rugby, um, I suppose I started my journey there with Leinster Rugby. So so when you were at university, you went to study sports science. I had that ground in sports science. Mm-hmm. What? So what, when did you start thinking, actually, I really love rugby. I want to play rugby first and foremost. I didn't, <laughs> to be honest. Didn't. Um, no, I but didn't. There we are. Yeah, like I've got to be completely honest. Um, I had never watched the sport before. Didn't have a clue about it. Um, didn't know what the Six Nations was. Um, wow. Completely clueless. And it was, I went back, um, I, did, I did my degree. And then the next year I went back to do my master's. And one of the girls had said to me, I'd played netball for like, I suppose from being in junior school. Um, she said, look, do you want to try a different sport? Um, and I thought, well, why not? Um, and she said, look, let's sign up to rugby. And literally from day one, kind of loved it. Do you know, like was only told run forward, pass the ball backwards. And I think in training, when I went to score a try, which I didn't even know what was called, um, I slammed the ball wow. down like American football. So I, I was completely clueless. <laughs> That's amazing. I did not know that. Yeah. So you know, your basic ball skills and everything came from just a grinding in um, in a lot of other sports. Yeah, yeah. Um, what well, that's even more. It's even more striking than your story. You know, to be as successful as you did. You know, playing fifteens and sevens for you, for Ireland, but also that. Now you, you you're a rugby coach and a top rugby coach coaching um, men's teams as well. And we're, we're going to move on to that later. So that, that's a, you know, that's really something I didn't know. So so not knowing anything about the game. Um, then be, being an international player, how have you developed your coaching skills then and how did you transfer those skills across to rugby? Um, I think the most important thing for me is like whether you're playing or coaching, I suppose being open to you're never going to know everything and kind of I, I, I'm kind of like a sponge, like I want to learn and I'll always ask questions um, and I like people to watch whatever I'm doing so I can get better. Um but the journey from playing and coaching has definitely been around the, the people, the teammates, the coaches, and taking kind of good qualities of what I've liked from good teams to culture to good qualities of coaches to 
poor qualities that I've seen and think, right, okay, I don't like how that's done. I don't want to bring that into my style, but I like really like how they do that. And I think that would be really positive to add in um, to a team environment and things. So it's kind of been a like a learning and it, it's not a finished version, but kind of taking bits and pieces that I've thought of positive and making sure that I kind of keep the negative parts out of it um, and kind of adapt as I continue with this journey. Wow. So, so, so I'm fascinated by this because, so obviously not knowing anything about rugby, what age are you when you decided to transition to play rugby as a sport? Um, so you were just left university? 21. Yeah. So, okay. And, and um, that transition for you, obviously with sporting background, did you, did you, um, to become a coach then as well, what age did you start coaching? Coaching. So I moved to Dublin in my 20, so I was 24. Okay, yeah. so you'd had four years playing. And then did you were you just like you just fell in love with the sport and it was like you wanted to know everything about it? Is that how it kind of yeah. happened? Like I suppose with my role with Leinster Rugby, it was um a community club um officer and right. basically um I was going into primary schools, secondary schools and working with um with the club um and going in delivering sessions so like we we had a program gram that we did within junior schools where we did six weeks of tag um trying to introduce the sport to kids and get them moving around in PE lessons but it was like a package that you were trying to develop the teachers as well so that they would continue the program on um and then create like a end of six week blitz so it was kind of um competitive as well at the end of it um but it's just, I suppose, kind of all the skills, I suppose, like transfer from different sports. You are bringing in, yeah. um, I suppose, like dynamic movements, um, physical literature. So kids were, you know, moving around instead of, I suppose, just wanting to sit, sit on iPads on breaks and things like that. And um, trying to get people involved as much as possible. And I suppose, like, you know, yourself, like that hand-eye coordination at such a young age, it's so important yeah. to continue through through sport. So um, it was just about getting people involved. But for me, it was about touching base with different coaches um, in different teams, different areas, um, different genders to to learn as much as possible as well. Um, and that, that that journey really started with my role with Leinster. Wow. Okay. And you were there, like you said, as a community club development officer. Yes. And what's fascinating for me at the moment is that, um, you know, we're looking at this talent transfer. Uh, mm. You know, I know some examples within the the Welsh squad. You know, where we've had powerlifters, judo mm-hmm. players, um, netballers coming in and actually reaching the top level because that they've been able to transfer that skill set across. So, you yeah. know, basically, what I'm saying is, you don't need to be a certain age. You know, you, you could you can reach high things in a in a different sport and then move across to rugby as well. That's what it kind of shows. And yeah. you're, you're a prime prime um, prime example of that. Um, so, so with your playing and coaching quicks, they actually ran ran alongside each other. Um, what kind of challenges did you face when when that was you know you were taking part in that journey, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I suppose most um, female female athletes would would understand this, like the fact of do you know your your training schedule is running alongside your work schedule. So um, that would have been the biggest thing in terms of um, you, you're working, but your other job is you're playing, you're training, um, and wanting that to be give a hundred and ten percent as well. So it's kind of that time management and organizational skills um to ensure that, you know, you can train early in the morning, on the evenings, you're getting your food prepared, everything's in the car, your kit's in the car, 
um, and yeah. you know you're living you out your, the back of your car yeah yeah absolutely you know you're getting your little nap in between sessions um but also you know your, your job is where you make your money you you've, you run your household from so that you're giving 110 percent there as well and making sure that all your all your um you know your things are ticked off that you're you're doing a good job as well within your work so I think that mm. was the biggest thing kind of time ma- management and organizational skill skills um which I suppose coming from teaching kind of helped me you know to balance that yeah definitely yeah definitely I mean your skill set speaks for itself and your enthusiasm and passion you know being able to translate all those skills to the kids you were working with but also your organization must have been phenomenal back in the day then and how you know now when we look at players now women's rugby players it's such an exciting landscape um you know how important it is for those players to be professional um as in you know to to receive funding to play Mm. How, how important do you think that is it's huge um I mean to to take that training and playing a sport is professional for females it's absolutely massive do you know you get your recovery you're getting your right nutrition in um do you know you're, you're training at the right times um and you're not overloading what training you're doing instead of instead of trying to squeeze four or five sessions within two or three days that that is kind of you know spread out now across five days and then a match so you're yeah. not jam-packing everything and then also having to go to work um and balance that as well and and I suppose a big thing is as well it's stress on lifestyle because as an athlete as as a privilege as it is um it's also quite a selfish career um which you know that that is what you want to do and that's it sounds quite awful to say but that is the most important thing to you at that time um and and you want to you want to hit the you want to hit the right targets so that you can be there wearing that jersey and playing and well absolutely you want to be the best you can to represent your country yeah 100% and you give is you know it's you it's total sacrifice isn't it yeah absolutely yeah yeah but I, I think you're right, you know, the input and the, the support that you get from that, knowing that, that that is your job, that's your livelihood, and you can just focus on that. Just focus on that one job. Yeah. Yeah. So much support for the for the girls. And, and long may that continue in the right way mm. um, to support them. So going back to coaching now, you talked a little bit about the qualities you learned from um, other coaches um, on your coaching journeys. What, what kind of... Um, pieces of advice I suppose could, could you offer any young and aspiring coaches out there that you learned on your journey from not knowing anything about rugby to becoming the you know the rugby coach that you are now um, and a very successful one I might add which we'll come, come to talk about in a bit I think for me like I, I like to learn all the time and like I suppose coming coming to Wales um, it's nearly been two years now and only taken up a coaching role last year um, like I suppose I feel like I'm starting from scratch again. Um, I built a network up in Ireland and it was easy enough for me to ring somebody up um, and ask of, ask questions or, you know, look for the the nearest CPD session or say, can I drop into something or do you have any advice on this? Or what do you think, what's your outcome on this? Or can we let, can, can we look at some analysis and, you know, work through things together? Whereas um, where I'm at now, it's kind of trying to start that again and I'm kind of look, looking for CPD um, areas and things. And I suppose the big... And when you say CPD, you mean like that continuing professional development? Yeah. So yeah. to improve yourself as a coach? Absolutely, yeah. 
Um, because I, th- I suppose the thing is, if you if you are just, you know, I, I suppose um, got blinkers on and think the the only way is your way and that's the best way. Um, do you know, you've got however many players in a squad and they all don't learn the same. Do you know, um, different things might not work for some and, do you know, what have you. And um, the biggest thing for me, I suppose, is kind of having that network and being open to learn from other people. Um, yeah. And also, I suppose it's being vulnerable, really. And I think people are very frightened to be vulnerable, but yeah, be, be vulnerable in terms of um, to get advice and also to, to be criticized a little bit because it's not criticism isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, mm. And it's how we develop. Um, so I think, I think for me, it's, it's about surrounding yourself with as many people as possible and maybe not as many people as possible, but as many valuable people as possible um, who will, I suppose, um, critique you in the right way, but also help support you in the right way as well um, for you to, to develop and learn. That's, that's, no, that's really good advice there, you know, being able to talk to those people that, you know, talk through things. Definitely in my coaching career, yeah. I've learned that, you know, you don't know all the answers and it's no. and co- rugby is such an, a sport that evolves all the time. New techniques, new methodology, new ways of attacking and defence play. So, you know, it's really important to get that network around you, um, you know, and any young aspiring coaches out there. Don't be afraid to ask those questions, you know, to people that have been in, in roles for a long time and those that are coming new because they've got great ideas. Absolutely. And that, and I think as well, you know, we touched on it earlier about that crossover from different sports. You can learn a lot from other sports. What mm-hmm. do you think? What did you bring across from your knowledge of other sports to rugby? Um, I suppose um, being a, I suppose, a young coach with a netball, I was probably not as confident in my abilities. Um but I had a lot of ideas in terms of drills and I suppose being a young coach. I suppose being the same age as people who I was coaching, like not not too much older. Like I was confident in delivering what I was delivering, but not necessarily yeah. as knowledgeable, if that makes sense. Um, uh-huh. So confidence in in what knowledge I had, I suppose. Um, but when I went into rugby, because I started at a younger age, um, and I kind of surrounded myself with the right people, like I I picked things up a lot easier and thought, well okay, do you know, this is how, what I can work with these guys and this is working, but I can, I could pull certain things across from what I did in netball and what have you, and what I did through teaching and things. And even some of the things that I, the kids that I was teaching and um, when they were delivering sessions, you know, things that worked um, that when they were running sessions, but I suppose it, it was probably the fact that um more, well, I, I suppose I, I became more confident from, coaching I suppose coaching older people at a younger age to then coming into younger people if that makes a bit it makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. And, and of course you know talking about the skill set I mean obviously netball with all the ball skills and everything yeah. I bet you had some great drills there you know yeah, drills wise, what shape the balls is. yeah exactly yeah. And, and you know and that hand-eye coordination you learn from netball and footwork mm. patterns you know yeah. all that all that is easily transferable and um you Absolutely. know uh, the pepper pot drill is one of my favourites from netball. They yeah, were. there's so many so things now, even like I throw different balls in, you know, like juggling balls and everything yeah. with the lads and they go, what's this? What we're doing? What would you know? What's happening? And it kind of throws yeah. them out a little bit and you go, well, it's only a ball. Do you know, if you can catch a big ball, you should be able to catch a small ball, do you know? 
Excellent. So, yeah, and that's the type of thing, isn't it? And that's what I mean. We can learn so much from other sports and yeah. just, you know, bring it across to expand our knowledge and, you know, improve hand-eye coordination, peripheral vision, etc. So, yeah, that's that. There definitely is that crossover within sports. Um, so, once you know, you worked at Leinster. Brilliant job there. I'm sure Leinster Rugby Club speaks for itself there as community club development officer. And then, um, was did you? You also worked at the Dublin City University. Um, as a rugby development lead, did that come before or after that? And kind of how did that, how did that, in, you know, interlink with your work at Leinster? Yeah, so I worked with Leinster for a year. And then at the end of the year before the World Cup, I um, I was, I suppose, basically Leinster were running a School of Excellence programme for, I think it was coming up to 20 years. But it was all, it was just for, for boys. Um, right. And it was running from, I think, the age of 10 to 18-year-olds or 19-year-olds. Um and at the time, there was only one female um, officer over all all of Leinster. Um, and when I had the role, I said, "Well, why is the no why is the no girls program kind of running?" Um, and I said, "Look, can I can I front can I front it?" And there was kind of a little bit of resistance of will this work and stuff and I was like well why wouldn't it work do you know like you can see girls are hungry we're going to a world cup and do you know like the yeah. the numbers of matches like people were there was becoming more and more and um it ended up that we we cut kind of prices and things and we kind of did a bit of scouting but we ended up having I think it was about 96 girls on the first summer camp for wow. a week. yeah so um do you know like that that was huge from I suppose the numbers, what they thought they predicted were about 20 and we end up getting 96. And like, that's amazing. Yeah. Like it's fantastic. If you can see it, you can be it. Absolutely. And it's, it's like, like I'm proud to see that and set that up and then, it's still going Good for now, you, girl. That's, you know? that's brilliant. But it, but it's it, it's that I suppose that mindset of well, well, if it's done for one, why isn't it done for the other? And it, it shows that girls are hungry. Girls want to do it. They want to develop. And um, like I say, it's still running now. Do you know? Um, well, that's, that's five years on. So um, after that, after the World Cup, I went into a role it within Dublin City University. So is that, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, was that the 2014 World Cup? That was yeah, that was 2014. So I, I mean, Ireland, phenomenal. I mean, you had ninety six girls at that camp. Then you, you actually, as a as a squad, you got to the World Cup semi finals, didn't you? I, yeah. I remember yeah. watching out there. Unfortunately, Wales, we weren't as lucky. But you guys, that was a fantastic game. So, so that kind of must have rolled back to Ireland as well. All that success from you guys as well, you know. And, yeah, um, I mean, that, I mean, looking at like some of the girls because when. Um, when we had the camp, I got like sort of Nora Stapleton, Fiona Coughlin, Neil Sheeglin, everyone wow. to come down to the camp and do like scrum clinics, kicking clinics and things. And that was huge for the girls before we we're about to go out to the World Cup, do you know? And like you could see when we were playing about to play in New Zealand, some of the girls actually there in the crowd holding Irish flags. So that was, wow. you know, fantastic to see as well. Totally. And, you know, and you talk there about what's going to inspire the younger generation. That That's a really inspirational story there. And yeah. those girls, came, they actually came out to France as well. To some of them did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's yeah. amazing. And I bet some of them are even playing for Ireland now, if you look into it, I bet, or up there regional. Well, close to, you know, there's some of them are playing for Leinster. Yeah. That's amazing. What a great story. So from that, then you went on to Dublin City University Rugby. Yes. As a, yeah. program lead so kind of what just expand on that a bit and tell us what that involved with your coaching career so within the program I kind of headed up the the full rugby program um over men and women and basically when I when I came the the men's the men's side was was running and, and it wasn't running too badly but um in terms of I suppose playing numbers um 
we didn't have a lot a lot of lot behind it because we weren't like a UCD university where people go just for that sport um, and right. DCU were more um, athletics based um, so then when we look at the female numbers I think my first coaching session there I had six girls there so um, when I actually finished I think we had around 50 girls committing to training um, wow. when I finished within the role so like over the course of three years you know, growing, growing the sport with, across the men and women's program. It was, it was trying to recruit, get the numbers in, but get the best players in as well um, who want to play rugby, which the university had never had before. Um, and also then bring in scholarships and things like that to help students with, um, within studies. Um, but there was, I was trying to um, create a, an elite pathway program within the university as well, but unfortunately we didn't have funding, but to try and create the first ever um elite women's program within Ireland um, for a university wow. for rugby. Um, and it would have been a, like a four, four year program to hopefully filter into the Irish setup. And um, so that was something that I was trying to push, but unfortunately it, it Did you get happen. support in that? Why, from the Irish um, were they su- supportive of that? Because I mean, that you know, when you think about it, that's really forward thinking. I mean, I, I work yeah. myself, you know, at Hartbury and we've got that set up there, you know, mm from the end of 16s all the way up to under 18s to, you know, university players through to Tyrrells. Yeah. I mean, and what, what you're describing there is that. Yes. But, um, so what what was kind of the answer back then? There's just no funding or? Um, so because I was employed by um, DCU, like part of my funding came from the RFU, but I actually went to DCU. I, I did the proposal and things and went to them themselves. And um, it was going to have to be an external project. So we were looking for a sponsorship like from Bank of Ireland or Vodafone and things like that. Um, it was just unfortunate that no one could, no one wanted to commit to fund fund that project. Um, wow. Do you know? What so yeah. And, I, and now, are you, are you aware of any of these that are, you know, are, are in, up and running in Ireland? Um, there's nothing up and running, but the girls who I recruited at the end of the program of before I finished, um, basically like basically are all kind of provincial players. So you can see within the like within my last year or two, the girls I got in the progression of where the team's actually gone. So it's it's a program that isn't actually set up, but the it is if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the girls came in, and you can see the progression, but it's actually not a not a program. Um, oh wow! Of, of the support and everything, do you know? Yeah. Well, I really hope that um, you know people listening to this pod will get behind that and support that because you know that that's definitely the way forward. If you can get yeah. those players at that age as well, you know, absolutely, and set and set those elite centres of excellence up. It's, yeah. it's definitely the way forward. Well, well, that's f- fantastic foresight from you to try and lead that. It might, was it frustrating as well not being able to get what you wanted from that honest answer yes yeah <laughs> because we're honest on this podcast yeah. I suppose for me like being I suppose I was very very rugby like heavy rugby minded and um a bit slightly obsessive if I'm going to be honest but I do you know it was like living breathing it and like for me I, I, as like only a few years of taking the roles of coach and like I could really see within the country like the talent and development that was needed uh, like the talent was there the raw talent was there but there was nothing that was put in place to try and bring it forward um and something like that a program like that you could bring the best select the best 
to come and create something and and eventually create like a I, I suppose your your top players in one place who are getting their extra Irish training do you know um absolutely so and you see that now like I say in the in the Tyrrell setup you know with Loughborough yeah. University Hartley yeah. University you know it's there so come on Ireland listen to what the <laughs> saying to you and get a crack on with it because yeah. you know you can develop these players on there um you know and uh, yeah well, well fantastically you set you know you set that up and you can look back at that with the real pleasure I would imagine yeah and no just, absolutely hope, you know, that, hope that it happens really you know yeah well come on Ireland get on with it that's <laughs> what I say and and then as well as that you um you set up your own rugby academy yeah yeah I mean God, you're so dynamic and rugby now is you, you you know you must have like I said to you earlier you must have fallen in love with this sport this is just amazing how you've got all this energy so tell us about that your rugby academy um, I suppose it comes down to as well it's just hungry and wanting to give girls the opportunity to to experience and develop um within the sport and again just because nothing was being done I was like well I'm gonna do it um Brilliant. do you know and I, I suppose <laughs> people were probably getting sick of it sick of us at the at a point but do you know like if you if you can if you have a vision and you can see where it can go and no one else is doing it why wouldn't you be the person to try and help bring something on um and that's kind of the outlook that I had and um yeah like I started that in did I start that in 2014 um yeah I think before the world cup I started that in 2014 um but um yeah like the amount of girls clubs that I went round to and schools and things like that it was just amazing and like I mean my my first year my first session I did like I did it in my own club Old Belvedere and I only had four girls there um but it was a start and then yeah and then going on to clubs and you've got 50 girls there plus do you know so it was amazing to see like the progression of it um across a number of years and like it's something that I, I couldn't have done without sponsorship. Like I had um, Irish Bill Tong was sponsoring me goodies and Nissan got behind me and um, wow. were, were a big sponsor for me. Um, and Glenisk, an Irish yogurt company as well, like for nutritional purposes and things. And, do you know, like without those, I, I suppose, companies as well, it wouldn't have been possible. So um, it was just something like really passionate about want girls to have uh, uh, more opportunities and, um, if I could do it, I was going to try, do you know? That's just, honestly, you're such an inspirational woman to listen. I could talk to you all day about this. That's fantastic. And I can't, I, you know, I can't believe that, um, you know, that people aren't, you know, didn't see what you're doing over in Ireland and a kind of, you know, you said you got support, which is phenomenal, um, you know, from those um, sponsors and that's, that's what you need. Mm. But that, you know, the fact what you're telling me, that passion that's coming through, there's so many girls out there that really mm. want to play. And, yeah, and you've absolutely. gone out there and done it to give them those opportunities. Um, but then, and then you, whilst that rugby academy, you went off and played in the World Cup, mm-hmm. got to the semi-finals, came back, took a deep breath, and then you moved on to coach Belvedere, the under-20s men's squad. So how did how did that come about when you got back, I'm presuming, from the World Cup? Um, I wanted to try and get more experience within, within the men's setup, And um, because I knew eventually I'd be moving to Wales, and I suppose with no more people in Ireland and things, I, I thought, right, is there any opportunity that I could learn? Um, and I suppose within our club, we had a good setup with the under twenties and things with boys, like in um, kind of academies with Leinster and things. So um, I just I, I started getting in and shadowing things and um, getting involved with the forwards and and having a look at how they set up um, and played within scenarios and. 
like it, it was really good learning because from what I suppose as a player in terms of the female game of what we've learned as international athletes, it was completely different within the men's setup. Um, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. Why is it, what do you mean completely different? Like, you know, did you, do you need a different approach or just talk, try and expand a little bit more yeah. on what, what was um, that different? I suppose I find with women, um, and which I think is a great thing, like we ask a lot of questions if we don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and do you know I'm, interestingly yeah. every single coach I've spoken to says that yeah and and I think it's a fantastic thing and I, I think it's funny like when new coaches that we got a lot of them didn't understand it and thought we kind of were were just doing it to annoy them but it was like no actually I want to get better and that's the reason why um yeah. but in terms of like coaching females you you get it because that's what you've done in things going into the men's setup it's very much this is what we're doing okay and then they just do it or don't do it yeah and then there's kind of no okay should we break it down and demonstrate I kind of found a little bit and for mm. me I, I don't know I, I'm a visual learner and I like to see things I can be told things but if I don't if I don't understand what you're saying I need to see it so let, let yeah. me see it once and I'll do it for you um and it was just interesting to see different coaching styles and methods and I suppose just seeing that guys have guys have picked up a ball, I suppose, from being such a, a young age and naturally are used to moving the ball wider. Um, you know, can be that bit more skillful at different different ages, you know, under twenties to seniors, because I suppose some women haven't picked up a ball until they're twenty-five. Um, you know, yeah. and coaching the like being involved with the under twenties, you know, it, it was so different to being involved with our club team um uh progression wise and things so um it was yeah like it, I, I suppose for me it was looking at those different coaching sides it was more this is what we're doing just do it um yeah and if they didn't get it it was just like repping 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 um whereas I feel like in the women's setup we have to not it depends what level I suppose it's at but we probably bring mm-hmm. things down more um because it's right. a new sport yeah you know I see, I see- um, yeah, and now we've got girls coming into sport younger and younger. So yes. you know, and definitely, I've seen, I've noticed that with my coaching coming through these kids that are, you know, under eights, whatever. And by the time they get to us, when they're under sixteen or under eighteen, There's no problem. There's, no, and their skill level is yeah. much higher now. Absolutely, you know, which which is which I get what you're saying about. And um, what were your highlights while you were coaching them? Um, I suppose for me it was more of a learning process. Like it, it was kind of seeing how the coaches developed, but. I suppose it was a bit more of a confidence boost. I'd done a lot of um, work with females and the the guys that I worked with work um, like under 16s and things like that. I did a bit like up to like under 18s when I did the Leinster School of Excellence, but it was for short periods of time. Um, yeah. So I suppose <laughs> the biggest thing for me was to have confidence in myself as a coach and that the knowledge that I've gained as a player, but as a coach as well, um to back myself and not think just because it's different gender should I not back myself um do you know and I I think that was a a step for me to kind of learn learn that and and be a bit more confident and think well actually I'm really really not you're a rugby coach yeah you're a rugby coach you know what you're on about and you happen to be a woman yeah so what (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and I, I think that's the biggest thing I probably took away from it because like literally, you could walk into a line out, say a couple of things, they just do it, and there's yeah. no like it's not like oh we have to high five or anything like that. But I'm like, all right, okay, that was right. Do you know they they did it and it worked. 
So you're yeah. going, okay, I'm, I'm giving myself, a, I'm getting a bit more confident each week. And that was kind of a boost because I suppose even with um, coming to Wales and wanting to move into the men's section, I, I was nervous. Like I've mm. got to admit, I was really nervous because I thought, well, no one knows me here. Um, mm. Do you know, and now I want to... So, so, yeah, cross over. So sorry, I stopped you there. But yeah, because so you made that move across the water to come to Glorious Wales. I can see why you did that. Um, and, and, and it's raining all the time. <laughs> and it's raining all the time. Tell me something different. It's in Ireland or whenever I've been there, it's raining yeah. as well. Both beautiful countries, though. Let's get that bit yeah, in, absolutely. definitely. But um, Wales is obviously better. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you moved, to, you you secured a coach role for Pencloud Men, and they're yes. um, just promoted to Division One. Yeah, and you've done some phenomenal things. You know, not only moving country again, but you've come across to Wales now. And you you decided, no, I'm going to coach a men's men's side, um, Pencloud. You know, how, how are you enjoying this new role, and and kind of what challenges do you face with that? I love it. Um, I've got to say, I really love it. They're an absolute fantastic group of lads. Couldn't have been more Weltman. And I remember in the interview being asked, well, you know, we've never had a woman coach before. Uh, like surrounded by, I think it was about 10 men just looking at me, right? <laughs> we've never had a, you know, rubbing the hands together. We've never had a female coach before. Um, how do you think you'll deal with that with the lads? And do you know if there's any issues? And I, I just laughed because I was like, oh, I was waiting for that question, you know? And um, just like, mm-hmm. well, I suppose for me, it's about respect both ways. Once they, you know, I, I earn their respect and vice versa. Um, I, For me, I don't claim to know everything. If I don't know something, I'll find it out for you. Um, yeah. And as long as I'm honest and can deliver, um, I can't see any issues, you know. Um, but it, it, there's just been no issues whatsoever. And I think not having so- that. Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, sorry, I've, I've cut you again. So um, I, it's just enthralling. So you, you just went for the interview and it was in front of 10 men you had an interview or they just happened to be a group of men there? Did you have to do well, like a practical yeah, session? Yeah, there's quite, there's quite a few, yeah. No, it was, no, um, it was, there was about, probably about eight or 10 or whatever round and like it was, there was no practical in it. It was like the first round of interview um, yeah. and it was just questions, you know, like scenarios and kind of background and things. And then they'd ask me back. Um, and I mean, they were, they'd said they were impressed with my CV and things. And um, the, the biggest thing for me is, well, like I'm happy for anyone to come and watch me deliver a session, whatever, and keep yeah. coming and watching me deliver, um, do you know, and like things in terms of results and things, things take time, especially when you're coming in new to something and, Mm. um, do you know, but keep watching and see how we develop and grow as a group and hopefully a a good positive culture shift. But, um, like I said, no issues. And like, what's brilliant is, um, like the lads come in for brunch and chats and have coffees with us and we talk rugby and, do you know, um, like it's, it's, it's just so So, nice. So you're you're accepted as a coach and you happen to be female. There we are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, like no, no issues whatsoever, but uh, like, it's just nice if there's any issues, you know, if there's anyone kind of looking for any extras or to break down something. Um, Cause again, I suppose I'm, I'm coaching with a guy and for me, like, we're very different style of coaching. Um, and I'd be very much about demonstrating what we're going to do um, or, 
you know, is there any questions? Does everyone understand? Because they can just stand there and look at you and pretend that they do and they don't. Um, so, I'm not, <laughs> you know, and it's true and everything then goes wrong and you've kind of wasted five minutes. So I'm very yeah. much about let's not be emotional, but let's have conversations. Let's talk. And I think especially like working with the forwards wise, like I'm trying to teach them that within the scrum, it's all about feeling. And if something feels wrong within a scrum, you know, we, we talk about it and fix it for next one. We don't wait. Um, and the like, I suppose the the positives out of that of being that our scrum scrum percentages, you know, have, have, have been spot on. Like we've we've really dominated teams um, within this league, and it's all because your processes down yeah. to the scrum process. Yeah, and right. like getting them to actually come out and talk to one another, do you know. Um, and and is that is that is that about the culture as well? Like changing that culture so people feel comfortable in the environment to do that. I, I think so. And like, I, I really do like my, the, the best culture that I had was like under the goose era and um, goose being, goose being the head coach now of Scotland. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Um, Good old goose. Yeah. <laughs> I remember him well. Coach, ex-coach of Ireland. Yes. And Philip, Philip Goose. And um, Philip Doyle, isn't it? Philip Doyle. Yeah. Philip Goose yeah. Doyle. Um, yeah. But Hello, goosey boy, if you're listening. <laughs> but it's like, it is about that and it, for me get, getting that understanding and being aware do, do are people on the same page because if we're not we're going to crumble and I suppose trying to create some sort of culture shift um because it's interesting what I find interesting about this team is we may not get a lot of numbers to training which can be very frustrating um and you're trying to sometimes scramble to try and get a team involved and for me very much I suppose at the start of when I played rugby just in university and things, it, it seems a bit like that. And yeah, I feel like that's a bit of a, a down to what culture they have. Um, I suppose in terms of where I want to be and where I want to take this team is that everyone has to be training and you will be, get selected on performance um, mm. and, and, you know, your dedication and things like that. Um, we are quite a, a, a long way off that, but I, I suppose people are enjoying training sessions so they're committing more and that's what yeah. you want to see so that for me is a start of a culture shift so you've had that you've seen that culture shift already yeah and you've implemented yeah Brilliant. and the boys are about and if that's a big thing you know you can come up with all these great reasons about you know why people play rugby what gets them to rugby training mm. they've got to enjoy it oh absolutely one of the big things you've got to enjoy what you do yeah. and that's making those coaching sessions enjoyable mm-hmm. yeah it's hard yes it's challenging but enjoyable and the right the right you know standard to push the players but also give them that enjoyment factor let's be honest why would you turn up otherwise if you didn't enjoy it yeah absolutely so, oh well, good, good luck with that and um when what's your next game now with Pencloy? Um, so our game was cancelled because of um, Storm Dennis. So we've Storm got, Dennis, yeah, we've got a we <laughs> we've got a game week on Saturday against um, a local team, Gasinan. So oh. we lost to Gasinan. Yeah, we lost a we lost a Gasinan away um, before Christmas. So we're banking on a win. It'll be if we win, it's our hundredth game on the rec um, at home. Oh, really? Yeah, to win. So it's a it's going to be a big one. So what time's kick off? Two thirty. Get down there, anybody listening to the pod, to watch the boys and cheer for Pen Cloud Men. Again, it's Gosinan. Gosinan is a, is a little favourite place of mine as well. So um, that'll be a that'll be an amazing game. So it's a bit like a home derby as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh good luck with that, Soph. I really hope that goes well for you. And, and you know, if your enthusiasm is anything to go by, I bet those boys are loving it down there. 
Um, and talking about, you said you go coffee. You've you've also, I don't know how you fit. I, I thought I was a busy person, but Fleming Egg, <laughs> you're so dynamic. You've also got a coffee shop down the garage, down Garreton as well. You set a coffee shop up yourself. And go on, tell us a story about the name. Because <laughs> Yeah, I suppose I don't speak any Welsh. Um, and even when I try to sing, um, like I did the other day, happy birthday to Anwyn, um, I still get told I, I sing the words wrong. <laughs> um, so I need a little bit of practice. But um, Well done for trying. Yeah, then. exactly. Exactly, brownie points. But um, no, um, I, I thought, right, I'll put a bit of Welsh in what I want to call the place um, and hopefully people will appreciate it. Um, so I call the place a shed. Um, and everyone, every time a Welsh person walks in, they say, well, can I have a white shed breakfast, please? Um, so it was a waste of time. People did, people did think at one point that it was um, down to me being from Newcastle and I'll have a YI shed breakfast as well. So, um, oh, that's brilliant. Then, yeah, just got it wrong. <laughs> that's such a great story, honestly. And how has that been received? You know, not only the rugby coach of the, the local team, Penclyde Red, but also, you know, got your own coffee shop there. Is that just, is it working well, but, you know, managing that and being the coach? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, um, I wanted to kind of build a community and um, I, I suppose playing rugby, the, the biggest things we love to do was go and brunch and drink coffee. Um, and that's 100%. why, I, yeah, and I thought, well, okay, if I don't have a, a job in rugby at the minute, what else can I do? Okay, open a coffee shop. So a bit different. Um, but Nothing phases you, does it, Sophie Spank? <laughs> a, bit, a bit mad. A bit mad, but um, give it a go anyway, you know. Um, and I suppose that, like, wanting to create a community kind of hub feel, and we do a bit of yoga there and things um, a couple of times Brilliant. a week. And um, now, the fact of us coaching, the rugby network that I have from parents to local clubs, like supporters, all the people coming down and want to chat rugby with us and just coming, having a breakfast, coffee. And like you've got guys who are in the eighties coming in, so what did you think of the match at the weekend? And you're going, this is bloody brilliant. Do you know, like the creating a community within a community, um, and the support has been unreal. Um, so I can't thank do you know everyone enough for that. It's been fantastic. This is bloody brilliant. I tell you, and so are you. You've done honestly. You're such an inspirational woman, and that's just fantastic what you're doing. And that whole idea of community, well, it's so big within Wales anyway. Mm. You know, and you know, you've obviously settled in really well there. And just oh, good luck with that. So that's, oh, that's, that's that's such a lovely story there. And the fact that you know you've got your old guys coming in as well to talk about rugby. That's mm. just brilliant. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Everyone's so passionate in Wales about their rugby as you well know. So bringing it back a little bit now. So um, what's, ex- you know, bringing it back to women's rugby, I suppose. What What's exciting you now about the kind of landscape? Um, of sorry, Bird, I've lost you here. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Hello? No, I'm cracking. Hear- sorry, I'm going to move. Okay. Hello? Hello, can you hear me now? Oh, Hello? Not great. Can you hear me now? Okay. I can hear you. It sounds perfect. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah, you got me back? I've got you back. Yes, okay. Dan will cut that bit, please. There we go. So three, two, one, coming back onto it. So 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 moving on, you know, that's so lovely to hear about that, how you settled in um, Wales and, and it's fantastic the community have embraced you as well, not only as a rugby coach, but as your coffee shop there, which I hope does really well for you. Um, what's exciting you now moving back to women's rugby about the landscape of women's rugby? 
Um, I think, like we talked about briefly before, you know, um, the game becoming more professional within certain countries. Like, if you look at the structure of what the Tyrrells League is doing, um, like we said about Loughborough and things, you've just got setups that are creating professionalism for female athletes um, and giving them support, which they need to be able to balance to produce this um, performance that we need. Um, and I think it's so important. So, I like I like the way certain countries are kind of back and back in um, women now and you know want to really push forward um, and create I suppose it's creating history really isn't it and and this is just the start of it definitely I mean you know the fact you know we're looking forward next year to the women's rugby world cup which is going to be yeah. in New Zealand and um, you know they're calling it the the World Cup, it's not the Women's World Absolutely. Cup, but the World Cup, which is in New Zealand, um, which is really, well, it's tremendously exciting. I'm hoping to go out there. I hope I hope you are. You, you think you're going out there as well? Yeah, I'm hoping that it's going to tag along to a, a New Zealand holiday. <laughs> <laughs> seems, seems silly not to, doesn't it? Yeah. But, um, I mean, the fact that, like you said, touched on, you know, things are moving on in such a professional um, way at the moment, you know, seeing that with England, women rugby players, you know, and I'm sure, well, France as well with the sevens and New Zealand now as well. So, you know, I think it's only going to go one way. Um, and the Tyrrells League as well as, as um, you know, which is dominant, one of the best rugby leagues, you know, in the world, really. Yeah. And you can um, see why players are coming over from the, from their countries to learn and develop and play the best rugby, um, you know, possible. Absolutely. And that's that's what it's created, hasn't it? That yeah. top echelon, you know, the top players that are really supported by the establishments or the clubs. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so exciting. And, um, you know, that definitely excites me about mm. that level of professionalism and where the women can actually go. And also, I think one of the big things for me is those pathways. I mean, you talked about it. Those pathways are really clear now for any young girl or woman aspiring to be an international player or regional player. They're there. Yeah. They've got those avenues to um, to access. Absolutely. So. Um, so, yeah, really exciting. And um, do you think you're going to stay involved in men's rugby or do you have aspirations to move back into women's rugby? And and if so, what what would you like to do? Um, I suppose for me, I, I, want to, I want to get into men's rugby to learn a little bit more about that set up and see how far I can develop there um, and to learn really, do you know, Um I'd love to go. Premiership? Would you love to be a Premiership men's coach? I'd love to. Like, I, for me, I'm trying to now see about speaking to people to see can I shadow sessions and how can I get involved? And, you know, just I, I just want to be exposed to as much rugby as possible to learn. Um, do you know? And I, and I think that's what it's about. And um, it, it's just if the opportunity comes up to try and take it. And um, as I say, it's, you know, to learn, it's a learning process and take the good and leave the bad, really, things that, that don't work for me. Um, but in terms of the women's game, I'd love to be back in the women's game at a higher level. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I know I've got a lot to learn and this is what this journey is about for us, really. Um, and I want to surround myself, I suppose, create a, create a network. I know I've chatted to you about coming to watch a couple of sessions with yourself and just surround myself with people who can help you develop as a coach and, I suppose, give you opportunities as well to, um, to develop. Well, we'd love to have you at Hartbury anytime you like, so you're welcome to come there. And, um, you know, we've got the RFC there as well and Gloucester Rugby, so mm. definitely book that in, Sophie. It'd be a pleasure to have yeah. you there. Sophie, it's been, honestly, you are such an inspirational woman. 
um, a f- phenomenal rugby player, but also an inspirational woman and, and definitely a fantastic rugby coach. I, you know, I'm so excited to hear what Penn Cloud are going to do this year. And um, just, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, and I've certainly learned a lot for you. And um, I know that pe- anybody, any young girls and women listening to this podcast will be inspired by what you've achieved, you know, not only in your rugby playing life, but also your coaching career as well. Really inspirational. Thank you so much for taking the time to um, be on this podcast with me. Um, so thank you so much. If you want to hear any more, please visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click onto the podcast button to visit the women's section. Thank you all for listening. Soph, thanks a million again. And no um, thanks for having us. And hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Brilliant. Take care. Cheers, babe. Cheers, everyone.